0: Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible this morning, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'm going to do a third part to this thought we've been talking about, overcoming insecurity. And I want to talk to you today about how insecurity is making us uh, make assumptions that are really altering the direction of our life. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and if you're here today, and this is the very first time you've ever been to Calvary Church We just want to welcome you and thank you for coming. Can we make some noise for our visitors? Thank you guys so much for being here. It means the world to us. It means the world to us. 1 Samuel chapter 18, I'm going to start in verse 5. This is going to be a a story that we referenced early on. I think it was the first week that we were talking about overcoming insecurity. I referenced this story as a point, but I want to elaborate a little bit more on this this story. This story has really affected and changed my life so much because... um, It's revealed to me so much about me that I didn't want to know. (laughs) Have you ever read the Bible and it it revealed something about you to you that you did not really want to know about yourself? Uh, Have you ever read the Bible and the Bible just disagreed with you? I really, I really worry about people that read the Bible and the Bible never disagrees with them. That concerns me. The Bible disagrees with me all the time. I'm always just like, I don't like that. That shouldn't be in there. If I was writing this book, you know, but it's, it's there. And so I have to deal with it. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, this is what it says. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine. They're talking about Goliath that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. So the women started singing, and as they sang, they danced, and they said this, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, this sentence is a sentence that's an assumption that begins to take Saul's life in a completely different direction. He says this. He says, Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? He started to assume that David, because of something somebody else said, something somebody else saying that wasn't even true, He started to assume that David wanted to take the kingdom from him. Because of this, everything, all the dynamics in their relationship started to change. So verse 9. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. One translation says he kept a jealous eye on David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the house. Isn't it? an incredible thing that you can do spiritual things stressed out and just because you're doing spiritual things doesn't mean your heart is in the right place. Just because somebody prophesies doesn't mean their heart's right. There's an assumption sometimes that I think, I think we think that because God is using us we assume that he's okay with us. <laughs> See, that's that stuff God revealed to me that I didn't want him to talk to me about. (laughs) Well, I'm preaching really good on Sundays, but I don't like your life on Tuesday. Oh. (laughs) But I thought my spirituality in front of people would make up for my deficit behind closed doors. Oh, no, no, that's not how it works. Okay. So, anyhow. So the Bible says, next day, that distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the house. So David played music with his hand, as at other times. There was a spear in Saul's hand. and Saul cast a spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. Did he say this out loud or internally? Because I'm thinking he said it out loud because maybe this is why he missed. Maybe this is why David was able to avoid it. Can you, you imagine you're just sitting there, and all of a sudden the guy, you're, he's prophesying. Like all of a sudden, I'm just preaching. And I'm like, <laughs> and God said. And I pick up one of these lightsabers and just... <laughs> I will pin you to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. This is another reason David is a much better man than me. You throw a javelin at me one time, and <laughs> it's a wrap. Somehow this happened twice. Now Saul was afraid of David, the verse 12 says, because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. Let me tell you something. Very often, people hate you, but it's not really that they hate you. It's that they hate that God is with you. Man, could so much of my hate towards some people, my jealousy, my envy, be from this thought that God is with them and maybe he isn't with me. Could so much of it be that I see God as blessing them and not blessing me? I think we need to pray about this portion of scripture because this is going to be a really difficult 30 minutes for everyone in this room. I don't know if the people from first service are ever coming back. So now's your opportunity. (laughs) Okay, close the doors (laughs) and lock them. All right, Father in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. And we're asking over these next few minutes that you would speak clearly to our hearts. Help us to receive what you have to say to us. This is going to be challenging. This is going to be convicting. But there is no condemnation. So we're praying that there wouldn't be a feeling of, condemnation in the room, but conviction would flood our hearts, and we would leave this place uh, repenting. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A few years ago, I was having having, uh, lunch with with someone, and they had asked to meet, and I I said, sure, I'd love to meet with you. And so we go to eat, and this is years ago, because we we ate at uh where mellow mushroom is right now but it wasn't mellow mushroom any longer and i remember this day very uh very vividly because this was a very important day in our family this is the day we found out that our son oliver had some sensory disorder issues and we were going to have to go through some therapy and all of this stuff and uh was a big day for us and uh altered kind of the next few years and even even the current years of our life, and so I was very distracted at this lunch, but I never told the person that I was eating lunch with what was going on. I never said, hey, you know, right now we're waiting on the results from our doctor. We're waiting to hear about what's going on with, with our son, and I never said that. I just, you know, pastor just walked in there, just bless God, you know, everything's good, and you know, full of faith, and I might have to pray for this guy, but I I couldn't help it. I was very distracted. I was on my phone. I was, uh, Monica was texting me and we were both concerned and we were texting back and forth and waiting to hear from the doctor. And so I kept saying stuff. I'm sorry. I got to take this message. I'm sorry. I got to answer this phone call. And, and I could tell he was frustrated, but I I didn't know him very well. And I I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't, I just, I didn't know I was so distracted. And so the, the meal is finished and we leave, and, you know, for about a month, it's, it's just awkward at church. He, he would just kind of avoid me and uh, wouldn't talk to me like he had been talking to me before. Usually, he was the type of guy, after church, he'd come up front and say hi and talk to me about the message and stuff, but he stopped all of that, and so I'm, I'm like, why is this guy mad at me? And probably because I was so distracted at that lunch. He probably thinks I'm terrible, and then, you know, a couple months later, I get an email, and... This person has never emailed me. They had always just communicated with me up front. But I get an email. And this email is like, you know, like, if you ever got an email, you know, like, before you even click on it. Man, this is, oh, man, this one's going to be a long one. And it, it was a long one. It was full of, like, letters. That, like, it, was, it had places where letters were, like, bold <laughs> and all caps. And I was like, oh, this is. the, the, the Matter of fact, the, the message said, very important. It was all caps. <laughs> And uh, so I was just like preparing myself to read it, and basically it was just a rundown of all the ways I'd failed him as a pastor. And so, so we're, we're, I'm going through it, and it's like, you know, that's not how a pastor acts. I was very new. Today is actually, it's funny. Today is actually October 18th. Seven years ago on this day, Monica and I were set in as the lead pastors at Calvary Church. It's today. <laughs> Seven years. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, so so I w- it was early on. So he's, he's, he's trying to, he's talking to me about how the pastor should act at lunch. And uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> help me, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so we're talk- I'm, I'm reading it and it's giving me all this stuff. You know, you weren't paying attention to me and stuff. And, and, and I, at first I was really upset. And then I started to think, you know, I never told him what was going on. So I guess he just assumed, because he didn't know what was really going on in my life, he assumed that because I was disconnected that I, was, I wasn't paying attention to him, I didn't care about him, I wasn't invested in him, you know, and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, if that's how you treat me at lunch, it's probably how you're going to treat the people of God, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I thought, you know, if, if he only knew what was in my head that day, he wouldn't have assumed that about me. Have you ever made some bad decisions based on bad assumptions? <laughs> well I have. And that guy obviously did. But when you make an assumption, you you're <laughs> you're you're making a decision, a judgment about something or someone without all of the information. And when you don't have all the information, and maybe you just don't want to do the difficult thing of asking questions or trying to get all of the information, or maybe some people are just too lazy to ask questions, they make assumptions, and you begin to fill in the blanks with your own interpretation. And I thought that day, I thought, I thought, you know, I could have told him what was going on because it's a part of me that was assuming. And he knew I was troubled. You know, as a Christian, he should know, he should have the spirit of discernment, know that I'm going through something. (laughs) There was a part of him that was assuming that I was disinterested, and if one of us just would have said something. But assumption is the death of communication. You can have lunch for an hour and talk about a lot of stuff and never really talk. If he would have just said, hey, you seem disconnected, are you okay? Or if I would have said, hey, I'm sorry I'm so disconnected, this is what's happening in my life. But assumption killed our ability to communicate and almost ruined a relationship. How many relationships are being ruined today because of assumption? We live in a world that is being led by assumption. We live in a world where if you say one thing or you do one thing people will assume they know everything there is to know about you. We live in a world where you can't you 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 can't say anything, you can't do anything without people just assuming they know everything about you, they jump to conclusions. We live in a world right now where if you're a democrat, republicans think you you're a baby killer. We live, oh, it's quiet now because I'm getting into you. We live in a world right now where if you're a Republican, Democrats think you like kids in cages at the border. <laughs> we live in a world right now where people who are white are assuming that every black person thinks they're a racist. We live in a world right now where everybody is assuming everything about everybody. You say anything negative about the police, you hate the police. (laughs) An assumption is the exact opposite of love. The Bible doesn't command us, listen, Jesus didn't leave and say, hey guys, I want you to know something. If you assume stuff about each other, the world is gonna know that you are my disciples. (laughs) No, he said they will know that you belong to me by how you love one another, right? 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven talks about love. And it says that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Basically, Paul is saying hey, guys, love assumes the best. It it assumes the best. We don't have a culture right now that's assuming the best in anybody, we assume the worst. we, We make assumptions on you based on how you vote. We make assumptions on you based on where you live. We make assumptions about you based on the clothes you wear. We make assumptions about you based on your past, decisions you've made in your past. We make assumptions every single day. And those assumptions, just like the assumptions Saul made, what else can he have but the kingdom? are altering the direction of our life in ways that are really even hard to describe. But it is destroying relationships. Assumption is the world's business. It's not the business of the church. But for some reason, not only is the world divided, But I don't think I've ever lived in a day where Christian people are more divided than they are right now. And assumption is the enemy of real love. So here's here's what I would suggest to you. If we're going to assume anything, let's assume we are wrong. I've been asking God, God, in my thinking about this person, in my thinking about this situation, where could I be wrong? And the truth is out there, but the truth is harder to get to than the assumption you want to make. The truth takes some time sometimes to get to. The assumption is the path of least resistance. But it's also the path of the least growth in your life. And so when you are a person of assumption, all you do is fill your life with the things that connect the dots on the assumptions that you've already made. <laughs> So we watch news that fills the dots the way we want them to be filled in, that answers the questions the way we want the questions to be answered. So we watch stuff and we listen to stuff that all it does is confirm what we already assume And we live in a world with more information than you could possibly ever imagine, but we're not more informed. (laughs) We're actually more ignorant than we've ever been. Because I can believe a lie and I can find a thousand people that believe the same lie. I can go to YouTube (laughs) and I can find a video. It says exactly what I've been feeling. God. So here's the problem. When you believe something to be true and then you go out to look for it, to study it, and you find a bunch of other people who want it to be true as well, this is where you get, this is where you get bloggers. This is where you get critics. This is where you get Google reviews. What's your Google review? It's a 4.7. So, so five is the best, right? Yeah, five's the best. So that means 4.7. That means that 0.3 people who come to your business... Who come to your place of work and don't like it? They have just as much of a say come on. as the four point seven. Why? Because something about humanity leans towards the negative. Whoa, come on, I I have I have looked up hotels and I have stayed on a hotel at a hotel. Based on a 0.1 percent difference of opinion. <laughs> I remember I was doing a search for a hotel, and, and you can you can put in the search, and you can put like like uh, uh, based on customer reviews, stars, all of that stuff. So so I wanted to take Monica somewhere fancy. So I did four and a half stars or four stars or better hotel, and I did customer reviews of 4.5 or better. And remember, it came down to these two hotels. And one was 4.7, and the other one was 4.8. And I decided I don't want anything to do with 4.7. Well, 4.8 is the life I've been called to. (laughs) What I'm really looking for is five, and five doesn't even exist because it doesn't matter how good you are. Nobody, nobody, nobody can please everybody. And you have got to stop living your life based on the 0.3% of people who don't like you. What's up with church reviews anyway? How do you get to go on the internet and review me? There needs to be a Google review for church people. I'll go in there. I'll be like, yo, so-and-so, they didn't pay attention any during my message. They were on their cell phone the whole time, 38 So and so all they did was complain and they never tithed. Two point five <laughs> Somebody create that. I'm all about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny, but assumption is it's dangerous. Making assumptions, what it does is it takes you out of your reality and creates problems that don't even really exist. Saul said, what else can he have? This guy wants the whole kingdom. Why would you think that? Because they, did you hear their song? Saul, the song wasn't even accurate. David had killed one giant, not tens of thousands. Saul, you have killed tens of thousands. You're the king. You've taken your people through multiple victories. You've taken out entire armies. Why would you let a lie dictate, determine the course of your life? Man. But if you don't search for the truth, You'll believe lies. Yeah. If you don't go after the truth, if you're not hungry for the truth, John 7 and 24 says, "If you're going to judge, judge righteously. Yeah. That means with all the information and a pure heart. Yeah. Do you know, do you know how, how often that means you should be judging? Yeah. <laughs> Almost never. Because <laughs> most of the time we don't get the entire story. Proverbs 18 and 17 says that every story sounds good until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. That's why when people want marriage counseling, I, don't marry, I, don't, I will not do marriage counseling with somebody by themselves. If your spouse doesn't show up, all this is going to be is your side of the story. I can't help your side of the story. I can't make a judgment based on your side of the story. I need the whole story. No. <laughs> assumption man Robbie why can't you just leave this alone (laughs) why can't you just let me have my little corner of disagreement with everybody why can't you just let me have my side of the street where I throw stones at the other side of the street why can't you just let me sit here and think the way I want to think about other people and other situations and people from other nations and people from other races and people from different backgrounds and why, why won't you just, because that's not what love does. And as a follower of Jesus, you are commanded, it's not a suggestion, you are commanded to love. And I want to remind you, what love does. You don't get to, you don't get to make a decision about what love is. You didn't, you're not the author of love. You don't get to decide what love is. You don't get to say, this is my version of love. There is no version of love other than the version that God has set. And he said love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Man, I could just stop right there. But it keeps going. Love is not easily. (laughs) It doesn't delight in evil. rejoices good. Man, always protects. Always trusts always hopes <sighs> always perseveres you mean i'm supposed to believe the best in people yeah you mean i'm supposed to not keep a record of what they did to me yeah you my love is supposed to my love is supposed to persevere yeah I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I'd rather assume the worst. Why would I rather assume the worst? Because it makes me feel better about me. Because nobody has done more damage to my destiny than me. Nobody's words have stopped me more than my words. Nobody's words have altered my growth more than my words. So, to make me feel better about me, I'd just rather assume the worst about you. Because it comforts me and if I, and if and if just assuming the worst about you doesn't work i'll throw stuff at you so not only does Saul say what more can he have the kingdom the next day they're they're hanging out and David's playing his instrument and Saul's prophesying y'all they're having church this isn't something that happened in the middle of war This is something that happened in the middle of church service. Why? Because religious people, because of self-righteousness, can be some of the most hateful human beings on planet Earth. So Saul, he's not just jealous of David. He's not just making assumptions about David. Now he starts to throw spears at David. He starts to throw stuff. And we don't, I mean, I hope you don't, like I can't remember the last time anybody in this church, like I've not been reading the news and like member of Calvary Church throws a spear <laughs> at co-worker. Like I haven't that's one I haven't heard. I've heard a lot of stuff, but I haven't heard that one yet. But we don't we don't always throw spears, man. We throw insults, gossip. Shade. <laughs> Why? Because here's something about us we have to realize. Our memories store pain. And our brains look for patterns. And so anytime we enter a situation that feels familiar to something that happened before, our brain is telling us it's it's the same thing. So what we do <laughs> is we bring old pain into new situations, and we ruin new things by treating them like old things. I'll never forget. I was in my office one day, and there was this couple in the church, and they they were they were brand new, and but the, man, they had just gone all in. They were serving and and helping, and. It was just, it was incredible. They, they were just really, really, really a part of what, what we were doing. And I was just so grateful. And so I, I heard they were in the in the hallway, and I walk out into the hallway, and I said, hey, guys, come into my office. And uh, they both, like the life went out of them. Like they were getting called into the principal's office. And so we get in my office, and they're acting. I mean, they were all, they were talking and laughing in the, in the hallway and they get in my office and they're just like <laughs> I was like are you guys good and they're like to be honest um, the last time we were in a pastor's office we, we got berated and uh, we were accused of a bunch of stuff and that's actually why we're at Calvary we had been at a church for years and um, last time we were in a pastor's office we got hurt And the body, the body reacted. Like literally, I could see like the blood leaving their face when I said, hey, come to my office. And if we're not careful, we will destroy new things because they remind us of the old thing. And we'll assume that this is gonna be like that when this is really truly nothing like that so your memory stores pain an assumption relies on old information to fill in the blanks of your current situation and most of the time when people attack you it's not really personal it's it's their own pain So Saul is suffering from his own insecurity, his own assumptions, his own fears. Because of that, he's like, somebody needs to feel what I'm feeling. So he throws a spirit at David, trying to hurt David, trying to ruin David, because he feels ruined on the inside. Because, because really, truly, when you, when you are a hammer, or all you have is a hammer, Everything you see is a nail. When you see the the world a certain way, you see the world a certain way. And everything that you see runs through that filter. When you see racial injustice, if you've been raised with a certain point of view, you see it that way. You don't ask any questions. You don't have any conversations. You just know that you know that you know. When you see something happening to someone, you see a homeless person on the street, there's assumptions you make. Probably there because they're addicted. Probably there because they they don't have work ethic. Or if I give them this money, they're probably going to use it for drugs and alcohol. God never asked us to assume what somebody would do with the money we give them in their time of need. He just commands us to help. He says, "When I was hungry, you fed me. When I didn't have clothes, you clothed me. You didn't come in and check my motives. You't come in and say, "Hey, listen, I can only give clothes to people who are going to actually wear them." I'm only going to give you this food if you're actually going to eat it." Where did all that come from? It comes from our own wicked hearts our own disappointments with ourselves. That part of us that wants to make us feel better about us by assuming things about others. Truth is available. No one really wants to use the truth to make the right decisions. We live in a day where feelings are sovereign. I feel like this. Feelings are ruling, are, are ruling people's hearts and lives. Not truth, not evidence, not facts, feelings. And anybody who says, hey, here's the truth. We don't like it. You don't get to tell me how I feel. No, but the truth is. Forget the truth. Well, if the truth isn't important and feelings are important, then let's just throw out the whole Bible. truth it's there it's available we don't want that we want the path of least resistance is there a cat in here I'm just kidding (laughs) sorry it's that ADD I'm assuming there's a cat in here it's a child I believe sounds like a cat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if we're not careful it's just like you Rob take a serious moment and ruin it you had, you had him in the palm of your hand and you ruined it <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> but here's, here's the thing listen, listen, listen I'll end with this if you're not careful assumption doesn't just affect you it affects your children because they listen how you how you talk, how you treat others. It happened to Saul. David ended up actually marrying Saul's daughter, Michael. And David gets this idea that he wants the presence of God to be back in the city of God. And so he gets out and he gets the Ark of the Covenant and he brings it back. And as he's coming in to the town, David... It's not the ladies dancing this time. It's David dancing. David's dancing. He's praising God. And the Bible says that his outer garment kind of falls off. And uh, he's, he's kind of partially exposed there. And his wife is watching from a, from a window, Michael. And when he gets home, the Bible says, she looks at him and says, Oh, wow, look at you. You made a spectacle of yourself out there today, dancing around. I bet all of the slave girls... Love that. I bet you got all of their attention. Same thing. Dad was mad. Saul was mad because of what the ladies were singing. She's mad because of what she's thinking the ladies are assuming. The Bible says that from that day forward, her womb was closed up and she never had a child. Why does something like that happen? Because when you make assumptions, you live an unfruitful life. Unproductive, unfruitful life. Unproductive, unfruitful life. I've watched these people criticize churches and ministries and people and having no real concept, having no real relationships with those pastors, leaders. You could, if you wanted to, you could take the past 10 years of sermons I've preached and if you pulled out little bits here and there, you could, you could create any narrative around me that you wanted to create. You go out there on YouTube and you could find some angry past member that left Calvary Church who would say, I'm a heretic. And you could get some followers on YouTube and you could have a channel even. Robbie Hilton, false prophet. They'd probably pull like clips of me saying, was that a cat? See, he believes Cats. There's a spirit of the cat in that church. That's why it sounded like a cat. It was just a kid. Spirit of a kitty cat in that church. (laughs) That's what they'd say. You can create whatever narrative you want to. Just go to YouTube. It's a cesspool of narratives. Just go to the Internet. Any opinion you have of anybody, there's somebody out there who will tell you you're right. I'll never forget, just a few years ago, I was, I was in the same boat as a lot of Christians. Like, there's this pastor, and this real, real famous guy, his name's Joel Osteen. I don't know, have you ever heard of Joel Osteen? <laughs> years ago, I was, I was in the same boat as a lot of people. I watched him on TV, and I read some blogs and some articles, and I thought I was informed on Joel Osteen. And I saw his books, you know, your best life. I'm like, his fancy suits, his big church, his big old house. Probably doesn't even really love Jesus. (laughs) False doctrine, false prophet. Best life now. I'm living my worst life now. Suffering for Jesus. couldn't stand him he was the epitome of everything i disliked about church fancy suits perfect hair constant smile that just made you wonder he can't really be that happy (laughs) oh and youtube had some great stuff to say about him i'm on there yeah Former members of the church. Oh yeah, he's just he's just this and this and this and this. So, man, I felt that. And then a few years ago, it's 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 while uh, a guy invited me out. He said, "Hey, listen, I, I've I've got this church right outside of Houston. I want you to come out. I want you to preach." And so I go out and preach. And then while I'm there, one of my dear friends is over at, at Lakewood, and he says, "Hey, why don't you come over? Uh, Joel is doing uh, pastors." Uh, thing on on Friday. Why I don't mean, you come over and and uh, just just sit in this pastor's thing with me? And so I get there and I didn't realize that the person I knew knew him very well. So we're sitting at their table and this guy that I've talked so much trash about. <laughs> I'm sitting there and and uh, I'm watching him as he interacts with people. I'm watching him as people are serving the meal and he's thanking the people who are serving and he's a real gentleman and he's really happy. And, uh, and then he gets up and he, he starts to talk and he starts to talk about his heart for pastors and he's weeping as he's talking. And then he, and then he starts to, he starts to talk about their heart for missions. And they begin to go through some of the things that they've done in missions. And he's weeping as he's talking about people from other nations and homelessness and, and kids without and families and, And I'm like, this guy is nothing like what I thought. So I decided, I'm gonna go to church on Sunday morning because I bet you money the presence of God isn't there. And all those thousands of people are just deceived. (laughs) I'm the enlightened one. I know everything, I judge righteously. So I go, I go to church that day, and one, I had met one of the pastors there and, uh, at that meeting. And so he said, come, I'll, I'll get you a seat. So they take me, and they sit me all the way up in the front. And I'm sitting in church, and I'm just ready to judge. <laughs> I'm ready to judge. I'm looking at everything. Ooh, ooh, wonder how much money they spent on that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Ooh, ooh, you got a fancy globe that turns. Ooh, ooh, fancy. Oh, man, I'm I'm in prime judgment mode. Then all of a sudden, boom, the music starts. Everybody stands and they're praising the Lord, and I'm like, well, that isn't too bad. I mean, it's all, it's all right. It's okay. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hits me and I fell down on the floor. Nobody touched me. I fell down on the floor, and for the first time in two years I cried in church what you don't know about me as I was going out on this trip I was ready to quit I didn't want to do this anymore I was hurt I was burnt out I was tired the presence of God hit me in that service and then I finally got back into my seat and he gets up and he preaches, and I'm like, oh, that must, have, that can't be his anointing. That must have been Israel. I mean, you know, so he starts the preaching from the moment he opened his mouth. I wept. And that day I decided I wasn't quitting. I sat in that room and watch this, watch this. That room that I had judged from afar That room filled me with faith. That Sunday, he talked about what it took for them to take that former basketball arena turn it into a house of worship. All of the things they had to go through, all the fights in the city, all the people that were against them, and all the stuff that happened, and all the money that they had to raise, and everything that went into getting all of those people together, and I realized that I was a part of something so much bigger than me, and they might not do church like me, and he might not dress like me, and he might not write books the way I write books, and he might not say everything the same way I said it, but I feel the same way Jesus felt when his disciples came to him. They said, Jesus, there's somebody over here, and they're casting out devils in your name. Should we shut them down?" down. And Jesus said, no, if they're not against me, they're for me. You're making the assumption that everybody that doesn't do it like you isn't right. And you miss out on the largeness, the expanse that is the church of God in the earth today. Of course, 2000 years removed from the cross, people aren't going to accurately do everything. Not going to do it all correctly. But if they're talking about Jesus, remember Paul said in the New Testament, they said, hey, 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 Paul, there's there's some preachers out there and they're not doing this for the right reasons. Paul said, I don't care. I don't care if they're doing it for money. I don't care if they're doing it with the wrong motives. All I care about is that the name of Jesus is being exalted and people are being saved and people are being... If you're not careful... You make assumptions about stuff and miss out on the expanse that is the church in the world today. And you'll think your own little, only your little corner, only your little YouTube channel has it all. And can I tell you, people who think they are right and everybody else is wrong and people who think they have all the truth and nobody else has the truth, you know what that is? That's a cult. That's why I tell you, this church is a non-denominational church. Do you know there are Presbyterian people in here? There are people who grew up in Catholic churches in here. There, there, there are people who are, who are, who are Methodists in here. Imagine it. Methodists coming and listening to this boy in jeans and tennis shoes. We're in here. We're in here. We're all together. We're black. We're white. We're old. We're young. We're rich. We're poor. Some of, listen, some of you believe in speaking in tongues. Some of you don't. We're here. Why are we here? We're not here because we get all of the peripherals of Christianity right. With millions and millions of people interpreting the Bible, somebody's going to mess up a little bit. Somebody's going to get it a little bit wrong. Not everybody's going to have the most accurate information. But I'm not educated enough to think that I am the know-it-all when it comes to doctrine and Scripture. The only thing I'm totally sure about is that Jesus was the Son of God that came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life. He rose from the dead. And he's coming again. I don't know when he's coming. I don't know if he's coming before the tribulation, in the middle of it, or after it. I just know he's coming. And I'm not going to fight with you and disconnect from you and make assumptions about you because I am the beacon of truth. All who hear me are now enlightened to the way. No, man. Don't ever take that position in life. Take the position. Take this position. You know what? I could be wrong. I could could be wrong about how I feel about speaking in tongues. I could be wrong. But if you're wrong about speaking in tongues and I'm right or I'm right and you're wrong, guess what? Neither one of us are going to go to heaven because we accurately taught speaking in tongues. We are going to heaven for one reason and one reason only. If we put our, our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. America has the most divided church religious system in the world. There, there, are, there are more denominations in America than just about any other nation. Why? Because we want to fight over stuff. And we, and we, want, to, we want to disagree with you, and we want to pop a church right, right, up, right across the street. Well, we're the first church of this. Well, we're the original church of this. We're the second Okay, I don't know anybody who wants to name it the second, but we're we're the we're the free will version. We're, we're the tongue-talking version. We're the we're the Pentecostals who believe in holiness. We're the we're the Pentecostals who believe in genes, I guess. I don't I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, what are we what are we doing? What are we doing? Love is your greatest command. The Bible says there are three that remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these its not faith. It's love. Woo. Because love should dictate what your faith is in, what your hope is in. Love should dictate how you operate in your faith. If if you're a person, if, if if Paul said, if if I can if I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And I know I've been going for a long time, and I feel like I could keep going for a really long time. But you've been standing for a minute, and I wanna I wanna respect your legs. So <laughs> let me pray for you because this is this is difficult. This is not easy. This is definitely not going to be the most downloaded podcast of the year. It's good, But if you're interested in, in, in this type of life, this life that really follows the path of love, the way God describes it, the way his word says it is, then this will lead to so much freedom, so much many beautiful relationships. Saul took what should have been his best friend and ally and turned it into his worst enemy. Can you imagine that? That's what assumptions will do. They will take what was intended to be a great relationship in your life and will flip it and make them an enemy. That's wild, isn't it? Don't let... Don't let your assumptions do that. Let love guide your life, amen? Father Jesus, name we thank you today for your word. Even when your word comes and we disagree with it. Even when we don't like how it feels. Even when it hits us the wrong way. Even when it feels like your word pushes us into a place where it's like, you need to make a decision. Are you going to go this way or are you going to go that way? Are you going to follow me or are you going to follow your feelings? Are you going to follow my word or are you going to follow your emotions? Today, God, we make a decision. We make a decision that we choose your word above all else. We choose your word, not our feelings, not our emotions, not our assumptions. But, God, we choose today to assume the best to assume the best. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you want to, you can say amen. amen. Amen, amen. Listen, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for giving me that 16 extra minutes today, and I'm really grateful. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be around the front. Listen, today as you're leaving, uh, just one moment before you, before you start walking around and heading out, I, w- I want to ask you to be praying. It's family in our church. Um, that experienced a devastating loss this week. Um, Yvette and Kevin, Brian, Kevin passed away while they were out of town this past week. It's shocking, unexpected, and the family is really hurting and really grieving. Uh, Kevin and Yvette are crew leaders here at the church, and they serve here at the church, very involved, very much a part of what we're doing, and so our hearts are breaking with them, and I wonder, maybe we could, before we leave, let's pray for them. Uh, I'm going to be doing the funeral this afternoon, so let's pray. They're going to be doing it in this room, and, and maybe, maybe we could believe that the presence of God that we feel in the room right now is just going to stay and remain, and when they walk in, they're going to feel that peace of God in their hearts and in their lives. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we send our love and our prayers to the Bryan family. We thank you, God, for Kevin's life. We thank you for uh, the, his incredible life. What an incredible human being. You gave us the opportunity to know and to love. Thank you for bringing them here to Calvary. Thank you for uh, every word said, every encouragement he gave, every hug he gave out, every, everything he did. He lived his life well and he lived his life for you. And we thank you for that. Today we're asking for the peace of God that the Bible says passes all understandings that that peace would guard their hearts and their mind through Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. And if you know them and you can, reach out. Uh, Or if you're on on Facebook, you might have seen it. Reach out and, and let them know you love them and you're praying for them. God bless you. We'll see you very soon.